of today's talk is the people of the book. People of the book. And are we the people of the book? I'd like you to sort of um, be able to answer that question at the end. It's a common term. It's a man-made title, actually. Um, it's the title that the the Arab, the Muslim folk, uh, give to the Jewish and the Christian people and have um, almost since the beginning um, of uh, the Muslim faith. Uh, they uh, declared that the the people who had the title, the people of the book, were not them, but rather the Christians and the Jewish folk. So that even in the uh, Muslim uh, religion, the Bible is honoured, if not followed. And we're going to look at what that really means, the people of the book, but uh, they're not the only people who bear that title, interestingly. Uh, in the 16th century, uh, it was called um, uh, the Age of Reformation and Revolution. It's very much like the 21st century today. A huge amount of turmoil. And in Europe, in the 16th century, and uh, across into Asia Minor, there was this great religious upsurge and uh, social upheaval spreading across. And the folk in Europe identified some people who they called the people of the book. And it was the English. They referred to the English as the people of the book. And we're going to look at uh, why the English, God bless them, uh, <laughs> who are no different to any other nation in terms of the mistakes they make, the things they do, their hopes, their dreams, nations rising and nations falling, no different. No sense of superiority at all. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but they do have that title, the people of the book. And they were referring to, the people who gave them that title were referring to the Bible again. So, do we have two options to take on the title, uh, the people of the book? If we go to um, Mark 16... We'll see uh, that we hardly ever talk about these series of verses, but here we'll go. Um, chapter 15, verse 15 of Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, that, that's the Lord speaking 2,000 years ago to the uh, disciples just before he was taken up into heaven. That's the name of the game. You know, that's the, We now have what is called this canon of Scripture. That's the term, C-A-N-O-N. This canon of Scripture, this collection of writings uh, in our own language that I can read it to you in English. But it is written uh, in languages all across the world. The Trinitarian Bible Society um, labors to make sure that this book, the King James Version, is written in just about every language they can find. Right across the world. 
and uh, there's a gentleman who's been coming recently, uh, is it Jacob? Um, and he's not here today, but he has been coming recently. That's part of his labor for the small uh, number of people in a, in a region uh, next to Nepal or near Nepal and Kashmir where he is translating uh, the Bible into their language. So that even in his work, Mark 16, verse 15, is fulfilled. It doesn't stop. It goes on and on. The history of the church, unfortunately, is that the established church tried to prevent that happening for about well over a thousand years. Unbelievably, the established church, which was called the Roman Catholic Church, saw one of its duties was to stop that happening. That you don't preach the gospel to every creature. You certainly don't translate it into the language of different nations. You keep it in Latin. You keep it in Greek. You keep it a mystery. You keep it just understood by a narrow elite who will then interpret like ancient Greek oracles, will then pass on what they believe it might say to those people who they think they might need to hear things. The closest they would give, give you would be the priest might tell you a story from the Bible, or there might be a stained glass window, um, or there might be a statue, or strolling players would put on things called miracle plays or mystery plays in the town, where a little bit of the Bible was leaked out into the population. In the 12th century, it was punishable by death by fire to be found with any part of the Bible written in your language. In the 16th century, when we had the title in England as the people of the book, or those people did, that statute was repeated by the church. If you are found with any trace of the Bible written in English, you will be burnt. And it was not an idle threat. People were burnt for holding on to it. And it was prized. It was said in the time of the Lollards in the previous century where that act was still there. And enough Lollards were tortured and burned and imprisoned their whole motivation was to get the Bible into English. And a man called John Wycliffe translated it into English. And it said that a man uh, would sell uh, two cartloads of hay for three sheets of St. Paul. There was a hunger, a desperation for Mark 16, verse 15. And the rest of it. That gospel, we need it. We want it. Wycliffe's supporters were called the Lollards, were terrorized for a couple of hundred years. Um, many were, were imprisoned, burnt, tortured by the established church. He got away with it. He was a, um, a powerful uh, preacher from Oxford. He had powerful friends in high places. A lot of... Um, uh, the ruling people of the time became Lollards themselves. The wife of the King of England, Anna Bohemia, was a Lollard. Uh, Henry V's right-hand man, John Oldcastle, 
his most senior knight was a Lollard, so they couldn't touch Wycliffe. But when he died, they had his body dug up and burnt to say how we got you in the end. There was this hatred of the idea that people might get to the truth. Is that fantastic? And there must have been people stuck inside the established church who wondered why. That doesn't make sense. And there were. And if we read on, it says in verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs that shall follow them that believe, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. There's a man called William Tyndall. He was a Catholic. He was a Catholic priest. He's an educated man. Uh, beginning of the uh, 16th century. He studied Hebrew, and he studied Greek, and he studied these scriptures, and he saw them, and he went, we've got to translate them. At the cost of our life, we must translate them. There's another man called Miles Coverdale at the same time. Again, a Catholic priest. Again, brought up in a Catholic household. Everyone was, basically, except for the Lollards. He went to university, and a man called Robert Barnes, another priest, read out to the students in their language the epistles of St. Paul, the letters of St. Paul, and Coverdale went, wow, we've got to get this out into the street. He was threatened with execution and heresy. He was exiled three times. Did he stop? No. Did Tyndall stop? Tyndall was a driven man. During the reign of Henry VIII, he was the most wanted man in England. He was a marked man. Bishop Tunstall, Bishop Gardner, um, Thomas More railed against him. Why? Because he wanted the Bible translated into English. And he would do it. Those are the people of the book. Not all the people of England, not all the, the millions that there were and the millions that are today. The people of the book are the people who said, we've got to do this at the cost of our lives. They will burn us. They will torture us. When they grabbed a Lollard, there was someone who, who was found with a Bible written in English or part of a Bible written in English. They would take him to the place... Um, with a, um, in Southwark with the Bishop of Lambeth the Lambeth Palaces it was a torture chamber in the centre of it, it's still there they would take them down and they would show them the instruments of torture this is the pain we can inflict on you this is how we can tear you apart slowly and keep you alive and still you will not die but the pain will be intense we can do that to you or you can recant and say, I'm sorry, I won't do that again, I'll go on a pilgrimage, I'll do a thousand Hail Marys, whatever you want. 
if they still wouldn't back off, they either just simply tortured them or they would light a fire and they would put your hand into the fire just for an instant and then pull it out and say, we're going to burn you alive. Deny what you believe that the Bible should be written in English. And they used to even offer rewards, bribes. We'll give you a job. We'll look after you. We'll support your family. Keep on doing what you're doing. We will burn you. We will pull your family's house down. We will throw all your relatives into the street. Do you know what? Most of them just didn't back off. They said, okay, burn us, destroy us, torture us. Why? Because they had found the truth. They were the people of the book. Tyndall was executed um, in 1536. He actually went to Europe to do his translation of the Bible. He tried to do it in England. He got driven out. Uh, he was tracked down by an uh, undercover agent called Phillips who um, lied to him to get him to do a meet-up. He was arrested, uh, subsequently uh, killed by strangulation and burning. As he was uh, at the stake, his last words were, Lord, open the eyes of this English king. A year later, Tyndall's book was published. King Henry VIII, a year later, had his eyes open. And one of uh, Henry VIII's top chancellors, he had a habit of chopping the head off any chancellor, <laughs> called Thomas Cromwell, actually became a strong Protestant himself who supported this idea. And he himself was executed finally. Can we claim the title of the people of the book if we too would be prepared to die for the truth? If we too were prepared to see our houses pulled down, our families scattered, constant persecution, could we claim that title of the people of the book? Do you know we're more than the people of the book? We're the children of the book. We are the ones who have inherited their legacy. Those people who through the 16th century fought for the Bible to be translated into English, we've taken it up. That is all that is required of us, to take it up. And we move from being the people of the book to the children of the book. I'll read you, uh, I've got a Tyndall's New Testament. William Tyndall. This is dates from uh, 1535, you believe that? Believe? No, dates from about 2010, actually. But it's his translation. Mark 16. And it says, um, And he said unto, unto them, Go you into all the world, and preach the glad tidings to all creatures. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils and shall speak with new tongues. 
and shall kill serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover, almost word for word. The King James Bible, which was translated about 75 years later. And it's estimated that the King James Bible in New Testament is about 83% pure tindal. And that the Old Testament is about 76% tindal. And most of the expressions that we know from the Bible, given will be given to you, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened, that's Tyndall. And as you saw from there, um, essentially the same. That's why they were prepared to die for it. They hadn't been told that for... 1,500 years the church had not told them that was the way. England wasn't unique. There were groups in, in France, for example, there were three main groups, mainly the uh, Vaudois, the Albigensians, the Waldenses. They discovered the truth when they translated the Bible into their language and they were persecuted and burnt and tortured as well. The same happened right across Europe and in Germany. The Anabaptists and the Hussites, they were the same. Because the Anabaptists said, you need to be baptized by full immersion and it must be adult baptism. They said, yeah, we'll do that. And they drowned them in their thousands in the River Rhine. Completely misunderstanding. Did it stop the Anabaptists? No. Did it stop the Lollards? No. Did it stop Tyndall, Coverdale? Barnes, Rogers, John Fox. No, a lot of them paid with their lives. We often talked at how Mary, the Catholic queen, called Bloody Mary, burnt 200 Christians during her reign, or 200. We, they would said they were Christians. They probably were. They knew about the Holy Spirit. Henry VIII burnt thousands. That great and terrible prince Elizabeth called her father. Mary burnt her hundreds. Henry burnt his thousands to try and stop it. And he burnt Catholics as well. If we go to uh, Revelation in chapter 10, Now, when I go to the book of Revelations, I hear the uh, the ice creak beneath me because it's a difficult book. There's better people than me to pick it apart. But there's an interesting chapter in chapter 10 and verse 1. Chapter 10 and verse 1. I'm going to try something out on you. Verse 1, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot upon the earth, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. 
And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven say unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth for ever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea, and the things that there and there and there, oh, I've lost myself there. And there's, there's a lot of therein's, guys, but just stay with me. And the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. Speech therapists should use that passage. Yeah. And in verse 9, And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. The little book. What is that? Well, there are all sorts of theories about what the little book is. The one I like, which I try, I know I emphasize it's the theory. That's Tyndall's Bible. That's the great breakout of the gospel. that the church had been like held down, the established church had held down the gospel coming out. It had leaked out sometimes. But the Holy Spirit never disappeared. There were people who knew the truth right from the off. But they were precious few. The age of the church of Thyatira in the book of Revelation, which even the Catholics admit, probably them, saw some people who knew and understood. Guys like Coverdale, Barnes, Wycliffe brought up as a Catholic. But Tyndall's Bible was the breakout. And why is it a little book? Well, one technological breakthrough, printing. Towards the end of the last century, or the previous century, the printing press was developed in Germany, Gutenberg and all these guys. What was one great characteristic about printing? You can reproduce things really quickly. Once you get your type set and your printing set up, you don't have a monk writing one copy over the years and then looking after it, keeping it in that monastery. You can spew out hundreds of them, thousands of them. What's the other characteristic you can do? You can make it really small. The print can be tiny. The Tyndall Bibles that the English were carrying around were much smaller than that baby. They had to be. You're walking around a book like this. You stop, you get arrested. In London, they used to organize bonfires of Bibles. Catholic Church uh, had a crusade because the Bibles were pouring across from Tyndall and Coverdale's printing presses in Europe into England and people after them. They used to grab them and organize big bonfires, thousands and thousands of Bibles. So they made the Bibles smaller. They made them tiny little ones that you could just tuck in your wallet and keep it there. No one would notice. It was called the Little Book. Even Fox's Book of Martyrs, which is not a Bible, but it 
John Fox, who went through this whole era himself and published this revolutionary work called The Acts and Monuments, which is now called The Book of Martyrs. He published it in 1563 about the persecution, the thousands of people, the men, the women, the children who went to the stake or were stoned or were drowned or were beaten or tortured. And he wrote it down. He collected it. He made it his life's work. Another priest. They had a little book. And it was the little book that they thought set them free. Because they had the words of the gospel. They knew. And you notice here, we don't know for sure, but he's got the little book. And in verse 2, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. Is that Britain? And the history of Britain? One foot on the earth and one foot at sea. A great maritime nation. And in verse 3, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. What is the symbol of Britain? The lion and the Lion of Judah. Speak to us. <laughs> Speak to anyone, basically, who's interested in what they call the British Israel message. Probably an unfortunate title, but the idea that the Lord works with different nations in different ways. So when the Lion roars, this is going to have a big effect. When this little book between the earth and the sea and what does a maritime nation do? It spreads. And what does it do? It trades. And what did the British Empire do? It spread across the face of the earth. And what went with it? The little book. When I was doing history, they used to ta talk about trade and flag and gospel. But when the British established a colony, the great debate was which went first? It's like the chicken and the egg. Which went first when Britain established a colony, say like New Zealand? Was it for trading purposes that they claimed New Zealand? Was it for flag, military purposes, for their fleet, coaling stations, things like that? Or was it for the gospel? Often it was the gospel went first. Then the trade, then the flag. In the case of New Zealand, it was the trade, and the, the traders were causing such a nuisance to themselves in New Zealand that the missionary society went out there to bring peace between the peoples. And then the British government decided, we've got to get in there and bring some order, so the flag followed. One foot on the earth, one foot on the sea, the lion roars and out goes the gospel. And everywhere the little book. When the British soldiers went to war and they weren't unusual, in the First and Second World War, they carried in their pocket a Psalms and a New Testament. Is that right? Yep, the Psalms and New Testament. Why? Keep it little, it's in your pocket. A kid brought to me at school once um, his grandfather's Psalms and New Testament that he had... Um, carried with him through the war and his mum rang me up and said be careful with this when he brings it in it's very precious why? because it had a bullet in it a bullet hole you've been shot 
And um, she said, you know, maybe it was a spent round or something. Because, uh, but it went right through to the last page of Revelation. <laughs> and they thought that was great. So it started at Genesis and stopped at chapter 22. Said it, she said it knocked him off his feet. He was terribly bruised, but he brought that home. I've been saved by the Bible. I don't know. We're children of the book. That's our legacy. Let it not forget. And it says in verse uh, 10, And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. What is that? The word of God? Should it do that to you? Yeah. Why? Because you'll always get a hard reaction. You heard it in the gifts. You're going to get a tough reaction to the gospel. It'll be sweet in your mouth as honey. But when you preach the gospel, how many times do you get the death stare? You couldn't care less. Or even right around the world today, in so many nations, violent reactions. People being killed for what they believe, as uh, Martin was mentioning. You know, those people in New Zealand were killed for what they believe, what they stood for, what they held to. And if you become a Christian and make it known what you stand for, what you believe, what you hold to, you'll get one of those three reactions often, death stare, or there is another crazy, or a violent reaction. But why do you do that? Because then there's another alternative. That they will turn and repent and be baptized to receive the Holy Spirit and be transformed. They'll take on the little book and they'll eat it themselves. And they themselves will see that they'll often get a violent reaction, a bitterness. The 16th century, when Tyndall's Bible and Coverdale, Miles Coverdale worked with him, and Coverdale produced a Bible too, which was produced, and then in the wake of Tyndall's death, there was called the Matthew Bible, which came out, that was Coverdale and um, Tyndall, and that was produced under a pseudonym, so that the printers didn't get arrested and burnt. And then the Great Bible, which Henry VIII decreed should be put in all the churches, that was Coverdale and Tyndall. And the Geneva Bible, when Coverdale had to flee for his life to Geneva, he worked there with the Calvinists to produce the Geneva Bible. That was Tyndall. And the fighting and the bitterness and the argument went on and on and on and nation rose against nation and people rose against people. Spain fought against England, England fought against Spain, the Dutch fought against the Spanish. Then came the Thirty Years' War. The whole of Europe was overturned by the Thirty Years' War in the next century because of the little book and the Protestant Reformation. We need this book in our language so we can work out what is true, what is the way, how we go. Whole communities 
were wiped out. In 30, they say that the Thirty Years' War is the most savage war that mankind has ever experienced. You think the First World War, Second World War? Well, in its microcosm, yes. How long did the First World War go for? Four or five years? How long did the Second World War go for? Four or five years. Tough question now. Start of the tenth. How long did the Thirty Years' War go for? <laughs> Thirty years of non-stop fighting. And because it was a religious war on what people believed, they didn't fight on battlefields or hardly ever. They fought in the streets, they fought in the cities, they fought in the villages. Because of belief. And the little book, bitter in your belly, that's sweet as honey to the taste. I don't believe it's that much different at the moment. I don't believe that the situation's changed for us. I mean, we can come, can't we, and gather here, and we can worship, and we can declare the gospel, we can hand out leaflets, we can hold evenings. We're as safe as houses, aren't we? Don't you believe it? Don't you believe it? We live on a knife edge by the grace of God. The United Nations, I've sold this several times, haven't I? Uh, last year, beginning of last year, said that the biggest single human rights problem in the world today is the persecution of Christians. And we've got a lot of human rights problems going on at the moment. They say it's the persecution of Christians wholesale massacres and slaughters because of the little book. Almost no one now reads the little book in Latin. They read it in their own language. Because we have the expression, don't we? The truth will out. Truth will out. And last scripture. Go to John 3. You know, I sometimes wonder what Tim Tyndall felt when he translated that section on the little book himself. And I could go to his translation. You'd find it's almost identical. No, surely not. Just carry on. Um... What I'm going to do is read you John 3 in uh, Tyndall. Is that all right, Pastor Martin? You burned at the stake? <laughs> Go to John 3 in young Tyndall. Remember, this is 1536. Okay. So they haven't changed it. If I was reading this to you in those days, all of us could be burnt at the stake by act of government, act of statute in Britain. Verse 1, chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler among the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher which art come from God. For no man could do such miracles as thou doest 
except God were with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except that a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born anew. The wind bloweth where he listeth, and thou hearest his sound, but canst not tell whence he cometh, and whither he goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. And actually even gives a slightly tighter idea of the Holy Spirit. Men and women died to know that. Died to be set free for that. And we are the same. I believe that we're in the middle of a religious and revolutionary upheaval at the moment. I believe that um, this is not the great age of enlightenment where we finally worked out how we should be and what we should be doing. God told us what we should be doing thousands of years ago. Trouble is we just don't do it, do we? Did you notice how accurate that translation was with the King James? Because what Tyndall realized and Coverdale realized and Barnes and Rogers and John Fox and all these earlier guys and there were women too and Boleyn they reckon her name was deliberately slurred for Henry VIII because she was a strong Protestant. She treasured an English Bible. Catherine Parr, another of Henry VIII's wives, they tried to get her executed because she declared the Bible in English and declared anti-Catholic views. And as I said, Anne of Bohemia, the wife of Richard. Accuracy. What people saw was clear, accurate. Don't make a mistake with the translation. This here, this little book, if it is, was a revolution because up till then the Catholic Bibles had been translated from a thing called Jerome's Vulgate, which was an old Latin translation, not from the coming right through from the original Greek and Hebrew. Tyndall went back to the original Greek and Hebrew and spent years and years until he got there were about well, well over a thousand copies that all agreed. There were rogue ones, there were ones that had errors, ones that all over the shop, like the Codex Synapticus, the Codex Vaticanus, the Alexandrian manuscripts. Hot, they just leave them alone. But he found thousands that all agreed in the Hebrew and the Greek. He translated for accuracy. His gospel in his Bible hasn't shifted an inch from the gospel of the King James, the one we hold in our fist today. 
hasn't moved. Tyndall understood that the key to getting into the kingdom of heaven was an accurate gospel, a true gospel. What did Jesus say? What does Paul actually say? And they found that the Vulgate Bible was just so inaccurate. And then not to move from the mark. And just finishing off, you know, nothing, you know, I could rave on at great length, I frequently do, but nothing changes and everything changes. No, it's not the 16th century. We're not burning people in the streets in London. But nothing changes. We still face a wall of unbelief a wall of people who will simply not pick this book up and read it. Check it. It's freely available. Thousands of people died for it. And even the Catholic uh, historians said that they were stunned by how happily they went to the stake. And begged that those who burnt them be forgiven. Something here. You know, and I believe we're not on our own at the moment. I had a wake-up call, actually, a couple of weeks ago when I, uh, I went down to West London. I was talking to uh, a sister down there, and she said, have you, you heard of a man called David Pawson? I said, no. Well, I said, I've heard of him. That's usually the escape clause, isn't it? I've heard of him. I have. And I regard him as an historian. She said, oh, I'm doing a study on the tabernacle. I said, whoa, okay. Um, can you check out? Because I like his book. Can you check out if he's okay? Said, oh, okay, that's a dangerous game both ways. So um, I went and I checked. David Pawson, uh, he's quite an elderly man now. He's in his 80s. He's British, born. I knew him as an historian, and he's written 30 books. Nearly all his books he's written about the Bible and in defense of the Bible and in defense of the gospel. And apparently, I mean, we don't know, do we? Because we don't bother with these folks. He he's, does speaking tours all over the world, and he's very well established. Everyone seems to know him. Not everyone agrees. Why? He's very clear on the gospel. Believe means believe. Who are you going to believe in? Believe in Jesus. Forget the force be with you. Believe in Jesus. Then he says, what must you do? You must repent. Then he says, what must you do? You must be baptized by full immersion, because that's what the scriptures say. Then he says, you must receive the Holy Spirit. And how do you know you speak in tongues? He's a Cambridge professor. He probably doesn't know about us. We sure don't know about him. God's in control. There's a guy who spent his life, work, like Tyndall, hammering accuracy. Accurate. Get it right, and it'll set you free. Get it wrong, and it's a waste of time. We're more than children of the book. Much more. We're children of the Lord. Children of the Lord. Because we've taken the little book and we've eaten it.
and now we live by it and we've received the spirit. I don't know if Tyndall was spirit-filled, or Coverdale, or Barnes. I know that David Pawson has eaten a little book, and I know we all have eaten a little book, and that makes us children of the Lord. Not just children of the book. And all the people say, there.